everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Hushet and if you haven't listened to this podcast before, welcome. And if you usually do, hi. And I thought I just wanted to do a little episode today with just an update of my last couple of weeks because it's been pretty stressful. And I thought it's been a while since you know, you and I just sort of had a chat on our own. I know you can't speak back to me, but you can email me or contact me on social media. And I just want to say, I really appreciate um, all your support and emails and comments that you guys always send through. And I try to get back to most of you. So if I haven't, I'm sorry, but yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, so let's, I just wanted to give you guys an update so okay so as you know my daughter and I flew to Perth last week was it last week no the week before sorry time is just catching up with me so we flew to Perth you know as we usually do so if you don't know we live in Sydney and my ex my daughter's dad lives in Perth which is across the other side of Australia it's a long flight it's five hours one way four hours back so they don't see each other that often so he usually comes to Sydney and then two months later we will go over to Perth and we'll stay there for a week and then two months after that he will come to Sydney and when he's in Sydney he usually stays with me I'll tell you about that in a second. And when I go to Perth, I usually stay with him, at least for some of the time anyway. That's going to be changing, but I'll go into that in a minute. Um, You know, but I just wanted to talk about this because I know sometimes it really feels like the drama and also, you know, abuse that a lot of women, mothers experience long after the separation, it, it feels like it just never ends, you know, and you just sort of think to yourself, will this ever end? Like, am I ever going to be free of this situation? And it's, you know, the one, it's the one disadvantage that we have in relation to our exes. We are tied to them forever. You know, even when our children are 18, there's going to be situations where we continue to be sort of involved in their life or they they are in ours, you know, like our children might get married one day. They might be shared grandkids. Who knows what can happen, but we have to sort of deal with these people for our lives really. And it's kind of a little bit disheartening sometimes to think about that, especially if you're in a similar situation to me. So when we got to, when we got to Perth this time, it was, it was okay. When we arrived, my daughter was very excited. She got off the plane, she ran off to, you know, go and find him. And there he was, they had a big hug and you know had a little chat and then we sort of started walking and I said hi because he hadn't really said anything to me yet which is fine it's not about me it's about my daughter so you know and I wasn't sort of expecting a response but he did say hey how's it going so that was nice you know but anyway so we got back to his house and my plan was to stay there for a couple of nights and then go and stay with one of my girlfriends for the weekend and then come back and stay at his house. So things happen. I don't know what happened actually. So I decided, you know, when I'm staying at the house, I usually stay out of the way because I know it's their time. So I will go and stay in my room. I sleep in the spare room. 
It's actually the same house that I used to live in with him when I was in Perth. He hasn't moved or anything. So the spare room is actually where I spent a lot of time, um, you know, when we broke up because when we were still living, when we broke up, we still lived together for a couple of months, you know, which was not exactly a easy experience. And I wouldn't recommend it if you have a similar relationship with your ex as I do with mine. (laughs) But anyway, um, so I just sort of went into the room and I just thought, I'm so tired. I'm going to have a sleep. I just got off the the five hour flight and it was just exhausting. I hadn't really been sleeping very well or enough in the lead up to our trip. And the, the, the stress that I feel when I'm with him is, is really quite high. And before I go, there's always a lot of anxiety that's sort of built in me because I don't know what's going to happen. And I know it can be volatile and I know it can be not an ideal scenario or, you know, situation for my daughter to be in. So I do sort of get this anxiety before I go. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is you have to sort of try and do this self-talk, positive self-talk. So you don't sort of get into this negative spiral of thinking. But anyway, it just sort of hits me as soon as I land in Perth. I think, oh, shit, you know, this is going to be a great week. You know, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. (laughs) But anyway, so the stress that I'm actually that I feel when I'm in Perth is even worse. Like it it mentally affects me, but it also physically affects me. I get headaches. I feel nauseous. And the worst one is that I get sleep paralysis. And it's really strange because I don't. I rarely, rarely get it at home in Sydney. I get it maybe once a year, like one night of the whole year or two max. When I'm in Perth, it happens to me every single time I'm staying at my ex's house. And if you have ever got sleep paralysis, you will know that it's bloody scary. Like it's such a scary experience. It's kind of like, it feels sort of like you've woken up dead because your mind is awake but you can't move your body and you can't speak or anything. So it's kind of feels like you're trapped. Yeah, it's really scary. And often you get hallucinations with it. So some people, because I've done lots of reading about this, some people will hallucinate like demons and like, you know, it's, it's all really scary stuff. I always feel like there's someone in the room, like there's a scary presence and I can hear like footsteps. Anyway, it's really scary. <laughs> and it really is something that for me, it's brought on by the anxiety and stress that I feel when I'm around him. So anyway, so they went, so I had a sleep and they went out to the supermarket and I woke up three hours later. I had the best nap. I mean, I so rarely get naps these days, but three hours is pretty excessive. Anyway, so I'm not sure, sure really what changed, but so he and my daughter had gone out and when they got back that afternoon and I, and I got up, I don't know. So that was the Wednesday and between Wednesday and Friday, he just completely ignored me. So there was just, you know, I'd say his name and he just wouldn't even respond. He would just stare at me, you know, which is kind of, I don't know. I just, I mean, it's just crazy. I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me that much now because I'm used to it and it's how he treats me at my house as well. It's either that or, you know, abuse pretty much like verbal abuse. So Anyway, it's good because I thought, well, you know, at least he's not, at least he's not swearing at me or anything, but you know, I don't really like talking to myself. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I'm doing it now, but anyway, (laughs) I do think it's when you're talking to someone like in person, um, you, 
you do sort of, you know, it's supposed to be a conversation. And what I actually really miss is just, well, I don't really miss it because we never really had it to begin with, but I wish that we could just sit down and have a conversation, a normal conversation, like two normal people and talk about our daughter or talk about, you know, how we would do things, how we can improve things and have a good co-parenting relationship. It's really difficult for me because my parents got divorced and they always had a great co-parenting relationship and they planned things out really well. And I remember them having like meetings where they'd sit down with their diaries and they worked out, you know, where me and my brother were, when, and all that sort of stuff. And I find it really frustrating that I can't have that with my ex because we just can't have a conversation. So anyway, I'd been ignored for two days and, you know, it was, it was okay, but I was used to it, but it was kind of annoying. It is annoying anyway. So, and it's kind of awkward because then my daughter's like, daddy, mommy's speaking to you. Why are you not answering her? You know, like it's, and I'm like, it's okay, darling. And then I just sort of go away and I just don't worry about it, but it is frustrating. So on, on the last day on the Friday, well, on the day before I left, I should say, left his his house. So on the Friday, I asked him something and I can't even remember what I was going to ask him, but I was saying his name again and he was ignoring me again. I said it about four times and then he sort of dramatically rolled his eyes and looked at me and said, what? And I was sort of like, oh my God. And I just completely forgot what I was going to ask him. So I just said, I'm just wondering why, why you've been ignoring me. Is there a reason why you've been ignoring me? And then our conversation just spirals out of control so quickly. He goes, yes, it's you. And I said, I try to always stay really calm, you know, and that's one of the things I've learned is just don't react, just respond to what's happening, bring it back on point and don't engage in any personal conversations. I've written a blog post about, um, you know, how to deal with the difficult exes and I'll put it in the show notes if you're interested. So I just sort of said, you know, I try, I stayed calm and I said, has something happened to upset you? And he said, yes, it's you. You're in my house and our daughter is always going off to see you in your room. And it's taking away from my time with her, you know, when I was sort of on this tirade and I'd, I'd, I'd been trying really hard to stay out of the way. If I wasn't, I literally just locked myself in the room and I just stayed in the room. And whenever my daughter came in, I'd sort of say, darling, just go outside and see daddy, you know, because it's special, it's your special time with daddy. And, you know, that's why we're here. And, and off she went, you know, and more, or she just came in to have a cuddle sometimes, or sometimes she was bored, you know? So, um, he has a problem with sort of getting out of the house. It takes him forever to go anywhere. And anyway, when I, anyway, sorry, I'm going off track, but when I was not in the room, I would go out, you know? So, just to stay out of the way. So when he said that to me, I said, look, I'm doing my best to stay out of the way. And it could be that she's bored right now because, you know, it's lunchtime and she's still in her pajamas. You're watching television. And he was just like, fuck, when are you leaving? And I said, I'm going to leave tomorrow. And he said, you're just so fucking selfish, 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 you know, and it went on and on. And I was just like, at this point, I was trying really hard not to lose my shit, which is, look, it's very difficult. And I used to just react and be like, are you serious? And, you know, we'd end up in these heated arguments, but now I can just stay calm. And I, you know, pretty much what I said, but in a calm way was, are you being serious? Because, you know, whenever you're in Sydney, you stay with me for a whole week and I'm kind to you. I'm respectful to you. I speak to you. I make you dinner. I clean up after you. I don't swear at you. And I do everything that I can to make sure that, everything is harmonious so that our daughter's happy and that you two have a nice time together. 
and you know I've been in your house for two nights and you won't sort of even let me have any dinner and I've flown our daughter all the way across the country so you can spend time together and I just don't understand how that's selfish and you know if you ask me I feel like you are constantly putting your anger and feelings before our daughter and that upsets me so much that you're mean to me in front of her when it clearly upsets her and I think that's pretty selfish and he was just like fuck off you know so it's just a little bit aggressive and so when that happened our daughter was in the bathroom at the time and I just thought oh she's going to be out in a minute I just don't want to have this conversation in front of her so I just walked off and I knew it wasn't going to get resolved you know our our conversations never get resolved because it always goes back to his anger at me which pretty much stems from me moving to Sydney which I'm originally from Sydney, but we, I was living in Perth. We were living there for 15 months together. We moved over there together. And anyway, I moved back when I became a single mother. It was something that was a really big decision and something that I considered really carefully. And I got a lot of advice and, you know, we were seeing a relationships counselor about how to sort of try and co-parent. And it was a good solution that we all came up with and he was fine with it. And, it was really only when I moved back with our daughter that he suddenly got really bitter about it and sort of had a change of change of tune about it. But he's never really let go of that anger and it always comes back to that. So anyway, it's um I think it's it was a really it really did get me down that whole argument and then anyway, they went off during the day to do something and then They came back about six o'clock that night and my daughter came running in the house really upset and she said, mommy, daddy called you a friggin' mother. And I said, a what? And she said, a friggin' mother. And I was like thinking, what did she just say? Because she's never said that word and that is something he would say. And what I can think how it might have come up is that she was talking about me which he hates and that he said stop talking about your friggin' mother which you know I just think is absolutely not on and then she told me that he called me stupid and I said well that's not a very nice thing to say you know I it's really hard because I don't want to I would never bad mouth um her dad to her and everything that she says to me about him is really from her own observations you know I've never and if anything really I try to defend him and it's hard it's a hard line because I don't want her to think that his the way he speaks and his behavior is acceptable and that I'm gonna put up with that so I do sort of talk back to him like I would be talking to a toddler who is getting into trouble you know so when that happened I just sort of calmly walked into the kitchen and I said why is she so upset what has happened and he said He said, what? She's talking about you all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, I said, I would never badmouth you. And I just think that is so damaging for children. Like I really, that just, you've crossed a line with me. I, I, I just, I didn't really know what to say. I just could not believe that he did that. And I said, I just can't even believe that you would say something like that to her. That's so like mentally damaging. She's, you know, and he said to me, well, when I took her to Queensland, she told me that you said I was a bad person. 
And I said, well, I did not say that. I said, I have never said that. And if, if anything, I actually defend you, you know, when, when she calls you and you don't answer, I mean, they usually don't even speak on the phone between visits between these, in these two months where they don't see each other. He might call once and it's actually now court orders that he call every week, but he doesn't. And, um, now I've lost my train of thought, but anyway, he doesn't, oh, that's what I was going to say. So he sort of, you know, when, when, when our daughter tries to call him and I, you know, I don't usually bring it up, but when she talks about her dad, I say, do you want to give him a call? And sometimes she says yes. And sometimes she says, no, that's okay. But you know, when she does say yes, he usually doesn't answer. And obviously it's not me calling him to speak to him. I don't really enjoy talking to him. So he can kind of assume that it's our daughter who wants to speak to him and he doesn't answer. He never does. And okay. Very occasionally he does. I shouldn't generalize, but you know, and when she says, oh, he's not there or he doesn't want to speak to me, I say, you know what, he's probably just busy at work. You know, when I know he's just, it's probably not the case. Like it's just drives me nuts. Anyway, so I don't, I try to defend him. I try to paint him in a really good light, you know, and I tell her, you know, people say things they don't mean when they're angry. And, you know, I've, I've just, I've never called him a bad person to her. And the only thing that I can think of, which I said to him was, maybe you were trying to fish for some sort of information that you think I might have said to her about you and she wasn't giving you the answer that you wanted and you sort of tried to hoax that out of her. And he was like, why would I ask her about you? I don't give a shit about you. And I said, okay, well, maybe it's, maybe she said to you that you are not nice to her mummy. And I said, she says that to me all the time. And that's from her own observations of you swearing at me. So anyway, it was just, it's just like a really crappy situation. But um, the good thing was like, he just got me so riled up. And that night I actually had a, pl- a plan to catch up with Farah Miller, who was actually on this podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, you absolutely should. It's a two-part episode. I think it's 34 and 35, episode 34 and 35. Anyway, she's such an inspirational woman. She's a single mum and she's been dealing with breast cancer for the last um, a little over 12 months, 14 months or something, I think it would be now. And, you know, she got diagnosed uh, the day after her second child was born and she's just been so brave and inspiring and just such a wonderful human being. And through all that through the last year of going through that, she also separated from her partner and has navigated becoming a single mother, which, you know, is a lot to go through in a 12 month period. I mean, it's a lot to go through in a lifetime, let alone one 12 month period. So she's incredible. Anyway, so I've been sort of keeping in touch with her and talked to her on my podcast, which I really enjoyed our chat. But anyway, we had planned to go and have dinner that night um, because she lives in Perth and she came to pick me up and I was just, it was actually great timing because that happened sort of half an hour after our argument. So poor Farah had to listen to my venting for the first 30 minutes of our catch up. (laughs) Anyway, um, you know, so I just got out of the house and, and then the next day I left and I went to stay with my friend and, you know, it's, it is really disheartening because I do during these stages, like it's, it's hard. And I think, do I have to put up with this forever? 
you know, and it's, I've been called every name under the sun by my ex and I know it's going to continue for years. And he tells me, I wish, he wishes I was dead, you know, he hopes I get run over by a bus and, you know, how sorry he feels for our daughter to have me as a mum and really mean things. And, you know, I'm pretty good now at not letting it affect me. Like his words won't affect me, but I can get quite down about it sometimes. I mean, it's still horrible things to say. And it's really only an issue for me when I'm staying with him or if he's staying with me. And it's hard. What upsets me the most, well, really the main thing that upsets me now is knowing that it really hurts my daughter to see her dad treat her mum like this. And, you know, it's, it's just sad. And I know that I can't avoid him if I want my daughter to have a relationship with him, which which I do, but you know, I, I don't even really know what I want now. And I'll talk about this in a, in a bit, a bit later, but anyway, I just, you know, my daughter, she doesn't have it easy and she's got two parents who live in different States on opposite sides of the country and they don't get along. It just, it breaks my heart for her and it just makes me really angry and sick to my stomach when my ex can't put his hate for me aside for our daughter. So anyway, when I do look at how far I've come from when we first separated, which is over four years ago now, I'm really proud of myself because, you know, as I was saying, I did really, I did take his words to heart in the past and I didn't understand why someone would be so horrible and nasty to me and get so upset. And now I don't let them affect me. Like I know his words aren't factual and it's just sort of his grief over what's happened. And, you know, it's, to me, I feel like he can't control me anymore and my life has just improved so much since my relationship has ended, my relationship with him has ended and I am a really strong individual and I have overcome a really challenging time and I've moved on with, in my, with uh, I've moved, I've moved on with my life in a positive way, I think. And, you know, I'm I will continue to grow as a person. I have been growing. I've done a lot of personal development and personal growth work since I've been apart from him. And I'm not in a relationship anymore with an emotional abuser. So although I feel like, although I feel like sometimes will I ever be free of him when I think about all these things, I think actually I am free of him you know, I am free of him. And then I try to think of some positive things about him, you know, because I'm so grateful to him because if I didn't have him, I wouldn't have my beautiful daughter. And yeah, I'm also really glad that I'm no longer with him. But (laughs) anyway, um, so I was just thinking this whole last week that I really need to make some changes. I just don't think that things can go on like this. And when so for the rest of my trip in Perth so I went to stay with my friend Carolyn which was amazing like she's just love her so much she's been so supportive of me always and you know always lets me stay whenever I want she's just a complete gem but I got to her house on Saturday morning I was very upset and she was like look I just don't think you should do this anymore in the future next time you get to Perth just come straight here you don't need to spend any nights with him and just stay here for the whole week and I think that's what I'm gonna do because I've just sort of had enough um it's just very 
it's very, very draining. There's no other words for it, really. It's just draining. I'm sorry. I probably sound really <laughs> depressing. <laughs> this episode is just not that um, inspirational, is it? But I think it's important just to put it out there because, you know, you might be going through something similar yourself and it's just nice to know that you're not the only one going through it. You know, a lot of us are dealing with a lot of shitty situations. It's not easy, but I really think that good things can come out of it. And for me, it's my strength. I feel so like I feel like a really strong woman now and I feel quite empowered. And I think that's a great thing that's come out of it. But anyway, the rest of my trip in Perth was pretty good. I So I stayed with my friend Carolyn. She has a daughter as well and her husband was away for the week um so it was nice we just had some nice girly time and uh one night I went and had dinner with uh one of the women from my original mother's group after from after my when my daughter was born which was really nice and apart from that I just did some work and you know waited to come home pretty much and so when I went on the the following Wednesday when we were going to fly home I went to my ex's house in the morning and I saw my beautiful daughter and she, one of the first things she said to me was, daddy called you a freaking mother and said you were stupid. And I said, I know, darling, you know, it's, it's not a nice thing to say. And it's, um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking for, for me for, to see her get so upset by it. And it's confusing, you know, she's only four, like the two people that she, loves the most and trusts the most in this world and who are supposed to have her back the most in this world are sort of letting her down and I just feel like she doesn't deserve that so it I find it really really hard so as we were driving to the airport I said to him you know I think that you and me staying in the same house is not a good idea moving forward and I think when you come to Sydney you should stay somewhere else and I should stay somewhere else when I'm in Perth because it's just not very good for anyone. And he said, I agree. And then he said, whatever. So yeah, it's good. So anyway, at least we've sort of come to that conclusion. But so I want to talk back to how that, tell you a bit about how that happened because someone asked me on Instagram recently why why I stay with my ex when I take my daughter to see me in Perth. And it is a good question because I can see why to an outsider, it probably seems really strange, (laughs) but you know, this has sort of been our normal for the last few years. And the reason for that is, is because when my daughter and I moved back to Sydney from Perth shortly after she was born, like a couple of months later, her dad dropped out of her life for about seven months. And when my daughter was one, he started getting involved again. And we sort of took turns visiting each other interstate and doing our, our sort of what we'd planned out. What we're doing now, our sort of co-parenting routine is what we'd actually worked out with our counsellor when we were working out a co-parenting plan. It just didn't get it, sort of come into practice for a very long time. But so we started doing that then. But because, you know, he hadn't had any involvement with her whatsoever, um, I wasn't going to just fly to Perth and sort of drop off my baby to him. You know, she barely knew him and he didn't know how to look after her. And he also had absolutely no interest in listening to anything about her routine. So, yeah, our communication was just so poor. And I was also breastfeeding her too, by the way. So, yeah, I stayed too. And, you know, he was fine with it. It, it took me, well, I don't know, fine is probably the wrong word, but, you know, he accepted it. Um, 
And it did take me a long time to feel comfortable leaving her with him, particularly for an overnight. And she was about two and a half when she had her first night alone with him. And over that year and a half, so from when he got back involved in her life when she was one to when she was about two and a half, you know, I did facilitate as much contact between the two of them that I could. And I took her to Perth so that she could see her dad and so that he could see her. And I did let him stay in my house when he was in Sydney. And that was only really because I thought he's flying all this way. If he stays with me, then he can maximize his time with her. You know, if he's staying in a hotel, like, and then she has her sleeps, like, you know, two sleeps a day and everything. How's this going to work? Like, it's just, I thought, why don't you just stay here? And then, you know, you can actually make the most of that time. And, you know, I always stayed in his house too. So, um, yeah, I just initiated as much contact as I could. And it was, it was really important to me to build up that relationship between the two of them. And things were going really well until my daughter was almost three and then he dropped out of the picture for a second time. And this was because he was absolutely furious that we'd just been through a sort of legal proceeding. And one of the things that we had discussed was I wanted to get my daughter a passport, which he didn't want for her. But because the court agreed to her having her passport, agreed to my daughter having a passport he was so angry and he just dropped out and we didn't hear from him again for about eight months this time but then he came back into the picture again in last September and you know currently their relationship and their bond is growing which I've found really good now one of the things that came out of the legal proceedings was that we provide accommodation to each other when we visit each other interstate for our daughter so You know, I could put him up in a hotel when he's in Sydney. But as I said, I've allowed him to stay at my house so that they can make the most of their time together. And the other option is that I could stay in a hotel or I could stay with, you know, my family or some of my friends and he could stay in my house with our daughter. But the truth is, I don't really want him alone in my house. Like that's my space. That's my home that I've set up for my daughter and I. And I just don't really want him in there for a week without me and he's also kind of snoops around my things and I don't really trust him around that so anyway the thing is now my daughter is at an age she's four she's okay without me I don't have to stay at his house all the time when I'm in Perth and I have started staying with friends sometimes or I stay in a hotel if you know the environment gets really toxic and you know I can't stay with one of my friends and I just have to get out of there and you know, last time we went, well, not this last time, but the time before in January, um, I even took a trip by myself for six days, you know, while she had her time with her dad. And it's been going pretty well. But there are two issues that I have when I'm not staying with them. The first one is that I really kind of worry for my daughter in regards to her dad's sort of lack of patience. And he's not used to being around a small child. So he often doesn't deal with her sort of, you know, we're just the toddler antics and not listening stuff very well. So it can get really heated and I really just don't think it's an ideal situation for my daughter to be in. So when I returned from my six-day trip in January that I was talking about before, my daughter just seemed really traumatized due to his behavior and she told me a lot of things that really shocked me and I want to be able to comfort her and be there for her as an emotional support if she needs me. It's tricky though, because at the same time, I know that I have to accept that I don't have any control over what happens when my daughter is at her dad's house, you know, but I'm just protective of her. And I just, I just want to make sure, I don't know, I'm doing the right thing. But the second thing 
that's difficult when I'm not staying with them is because, you know, this interstate co-parenting lifestyle that we have is quite expensive. And every time I fly us to Perth and back, it costs me $1,200 in flights alone. So, you know, it's expensive. And my daughter's dad does pay for a quarter of that, but it's, um, it's just, you know, it is expensive. And so when I can't stay with friends, I, as I said, I stay in a hotel, but I just to keep the peace if I feel like it's better for my daughter if I'm not there right now. But then there's all the additional expenses that add up, you know, I might need to hire a car, I need to buy, you know, eat out for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So it's, it can easily add an extra thousand dollars to my trip and doing that several times a year. All of that can add up to, you know, over $8,000 a year. And it just kind of sucks because when I think about it, I'm like, I could go on a few amazing holidays with my daughter instead with that money. So I do try and save the money where I can. But it really is a lose-lose situation if I stay with him because then I have to deal with his potential nastiness and aggression and I'm also putting my daughter in a really toxic environment where she has to witness how horrible he is to me and if I don't stay with him then I have to deal with the consequences of how my daughter is potentially affected when he can't manage his anger so it is really really hard so I've sort of been trying in the past to create some sort of harmony in a really shitty situation but What I've realized this time is that I think the environment, it's just so extreme. It's so unhealthy that I don't think anymore it's that it's mentally healthy for any of us to be in the same space. And that's why I did say to my ex that I think we should, you know, change, change our arrangement, which I'm very happy that he was okay with that. And... I've just sort of decided enough is enough. I think he really crossed a line with me by by um, bad-mouthing me to our daughter. I just don't think that's fair on her at all. And I just don't – I will not accept that he has to stay in my house anymore. I just – you know, he can treat me like shit. There's nothing I can do about that. But I don't have to have him in my home for that. So, yeah, I'm not doing it. I've just decided I am also going to change the court orders if I have to, but luckily we agree. So that might not be an issue, but I do actually believe it's not in my daughter's best interest. I believe that it is in my daughter's best interest, I should say, for us not to be in the same space together. And I did try very hard. You know, I tried really hard for four years to build a positive co-parenting relationship with my ex. But, you know, I know that for us, it will probably never be, you know, and it's actually now causing more damage than good. And me trying is probably aggravating him more. So I think it's best to just take a step back. You know, maybe I've tried to be nice. I really have, but I just don't think that's actually helping. So um, I'm actually at the point now though, where I'm really torn between whether with what to do in terms of whether I actually want my daughter to have a relationship with her dad because it was always such a huge priority to me. And since we got back, my daughter has said a few things about not wanting to go back. She is very, she's hurt by what he said. And, you know, he's, he does manage or parent, he does manage yeah her behavior and parent differently than I do and not saying my way is better or anything, but she's not used to it. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I don't want to make any decisions based on one trip because this one was particularly bad. So I don't want to sort of try and cut him out 
because of one trip, but I will definitely be speaking to my lawyer and I will definitely be going to speak to a child psychologist because it's hard when I'm in it. It's very hard to sort of remove yourself and I don't want to do what's best for me. I want to do what's best for my daughter, which, you know, at the moment I honestly just, I don't know what that is. I just don't know. So I just don't, I always thought it was quite black and white. Like if, if you can get be involved, if you can get the dad involved in a child's life, that's always better. But now I'm starting to think, you know what? It's not, it's not so black and white. It's not always the case. And it's very, very difficult. So I guess what I've learned from all this as well is that things change, you know, you have to be adaptable and everything's, even if I decide that everything can should continue how it is things are going to change next year anyway because my daughter will be starting school so you know there's only four sets of school holidays so there'll be me and be a maximum of you know four visits a year rather than um six so things have to change and that's okay and yeah I think parenting and it's I guess it's always something that you have to think about and just like changing the situation and yeah, just doing what's best for your child now is not necessarily what's best for your child next year or the year after. So yeah, it's anyway, it's been, it's been tricky and I really hope I didn't want this to be like a bagging out my ex session because it's not like that. I just, um, I guess I just wanted to share my experience with you so that you know, you, you don't feel alone as well. And I do try to be as honest as I can with everything. I'm an open book. So anyway, I know you can't talk back to me, but <laughs> if you do have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me or contact me on our social media. You know, feel free to write me a message or anything like that. I usually, I try to respond to everybody that I can. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and also, I wanted to make you guys aware, I'm not sure if you know about it, but the Single Mother Survival Guide Support Forum, which is a Facebook group. So if you need some online support, please join that group. I'm really trying to build that group up to make it a really supportive group. So if you have any questions or anything and you can get some advice from other single mums, post away. And I'm sure there'll be lots of mums willing to jump in and provide their two cents. So I would also love it if you could rate this podcast in iTunes. So to do that, you go to your podcast app and on the in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a search function. So if you press search and then type in Single Mother Survival Guide, you'll then get, it'll say podcast episodes and then it will come up with podcasts on the bottom. And the first one should be mine, Single Mother Survival Guide. Then there's other two. I've been interviewed in those two podcasts. That's why they are there. Um, but if you click on the, the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast, then one of the tabs that comes up is reviews. So it says details, reviews and related. So you press reviews and then you click write a review and then you put in your iTunes password and you don't have to leave your name or anything or you can just write your initials whatever and then you can write a review or you can rate it and that would be really good because it means that other new single parents can find this podcast more easier so um yeah that'd be amazing um I don't think I have anything else really that I wanted to talk to you guys about I just thought I'd have a chat with you and just 
you know, haven't really checked in with you guys for a while and, oh, wow, I've just looked at my recording and I've been talking away for 40 minutes. How unusual. No. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've been talking too much again. Anyway, but – um. Yeah, so if you want to find out as well about any any mentoring programs that I have available, have a look at my website. It's in the middle still of a bit of a revamp. It's in process. But I'd also love for you guys to sign up to my newsletter. I'm starting a newsletter, which I'm hoping to write fortnightly. So I sent out my first one uh, about a week ago. So yeah, if you want to be involved in that and then I'll send through any new updates or anything as well, you can subscribe on my website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com and I will put that link in the show notes as well. And while you're there, you can have a look at my mentoring programs that I offer to single parents. And anyway, it's been lovely chatting. I hope you're all well. I hope you have a lovely week and I'm going to speak to you guys next week. Oh, I was just looking at my schedule for what I have next week. And you guys are going to love this episode. It's with a family lawyer. Her name is Kate Pateman. She's from KLP Lawyers. And the whole topic is I'm separated. Now what? And we had a great chat. It's um, She's very – you know, gives some really great advice for those first first steps of – when you're separated from a legal perspective. So really interesting. You should definitely have a listen if you've recently separated. I know you're going to get some some great advice out of that. So anyway, um, have a great week and I'll speak to you then. Bye.